1: Welcome to the Press 1 for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Glemsdahl. My guest this week is Scott Jeffrey Miller. Scott currently serves as the special advisor on the thought leadership for the Franklin Covey Company and is the host of their weekly podcast series on leadership with Scott Miller. Additionally, Scott is the prolific author in numerous books and writes a column for Inc. Magazine and keynotes for clients around the world. Welcome to the Press 1 for Nick podcast,
0: Scott. Nick, you have the best podcasting voice of any of the hundreds that I've been on in four or five years. You win for voice out of the gate.
1: I I thought for sure you were going to say I had the best podcast voice today, but uh, I I will accept (laughs) your own. That also
0: is true. You're two for two. The best (laughs) and the best today. Hey, thanks for the spotlight. Thanks for the uh, platform. Excited to have a great conversation today.
1: You bet, man. I, I'm excited. I, I told you right before this that I don't know how we're going to pack this into 30 minutes, so I think I'm going to talk at 1, 1.5 5, 1. 5 speed for the rest of this time so we can talk for 45 minutes and not 30.
0: I can hold my own on that one.
1: <laughs> so the one question I ask every single guest at the very beginning, Scott, is what's one thing people might not know about you?
0: I'm a stutterer. I have a very pronounced stutter. I've spent my entire life trying to overcome it, speech therapy, Speech pathology, braces, headgear, retainers, braces, Invisalign, two speech coaches. I've written about it occasionally and talk about it rarely. But you know, some people stutter is neurological, some is physiological, some is psychological. Mine's probably all of that. But um, I am a, um, I am, I have a debilitating stutter that I've spent, gosh, fifty three years trying to overcome, and I'm still on that journey.
1: That's awesome. I mean, it's not awesome that you have the sutter, but it's awesome that you're vulnerable about it and that you're honest about uh, your weaknesses. And I think that's one of the things that I admire about you is you don't, you tell it the way it is, regardless of if it's going to be, you know, you don't just like open up your, your black leather jacket and you're like, Hey, look how awesome I am. You kind of open up your other side and you're like, yeah, but look at all these other things. Yeah. Like this is, this is not so awesome. And here's some of the things that I dropped the ball on. Here's some of the things I learned. And I think that's so cool.
0: Hey, I hey, I got Rolexes and fake Rolexes. Which one do you want? <laughs>
1: exactly. I got a, I got Rolexes on this side and motion on this side. Which one do you want?
0: I got motion and I got sweep and tick, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> not all of your listeners will know what that means, but go to New York City. And if you're if the Rolex you buy ticks on the on the second hand, you got a problem. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Do not buy a ticking Rolex. Right. A note to self. Uh, love that. So there's so much I want to talk about, but before I get into this Master Mentors book, for, the, for those who have not taken a peek at this, what is Master Mentors about?
0: Sure. Nick, like you, I'm privileged to host a weekly podcast. Ours is called On Leadership with Scott Miller. It's now the world's largest weekly leadership podcast. It's about $7 million each Tuesday. Today's episode, um, this week's episode came out, and it's an honor, right? I, I, it's audio and video. We interview best-selling authors, business titans, CEOs, governors, senators, celebrities, people who've suffered and recovered from trauma, people who've fallen from airlines out of the sky and survived and lived to tell about it. And after the first 100 episodes, I realized, Nick, and you probably realize the same, sometimes the truth bombs that they share are like right as you hang up. It's off air, right? Or it's in the green room, or it's on the walk out to the town car. Like, why didn't you share that on air? So I decided that even though the podcast has this massive audience, I thought I could share the insights of these guests in a book. Because at the end of the day, I'm kind of an aggregator. I'm not. A, I'm a pollinator. I'm not sure I've ever had an original thought in my entire life, Nick. Most humans haven't. Newsflash. That's sobering. But once you realize that, you realize you know your job can be to pollinate the ideas that other people have as well. I have no shame in that. So I partner with HarperCollins and i wrote this book called master mentors 30 transformative insights from our greatest minds this is an easy breezy fast read 30 people 30 chapters 30 insights that i thought were transformational it's fairly episodic on intention it's why one publisher that had a great confidence in me on other books that i've written passed on this book they now regret that it sold 50,000 copies in the first 90 days not too shabby and That Just this morning, my agent called me and it's being translated into Georgia. I'm like, Atlanta? No, like Georgia, the country, Miller. And I promised you'll go there to sign books. I'm like, all right, I'm going to Georgia. And that'll be a long trip. But I I did it with all their permission. Each of the mentors that were guests on the podcast gave me permission. I've now signed a 10-year, 10-volume deal with HarperCollins to write a new book each year. So I've just finished the second volume with 30 new uh, master mentors, and I'm now writing volume three. Again, not good to great, not built to last, not war and peace, right? Fast, easy, breezy, kind of chicken soup for the leadership soul.
1: I love that. So as of to date, you have this weekly podcast with amazing guests. How many have you done to date?
0: Well, I've taped probably 200 and something. We've aired about 180. So we tape about three to four months out because... That's kind of the demand. And I mean, we got some great guests coming up. Will Smith, Katie Couric, Renee Brown. we got some great guests that are in the queue. Just today, we released Martin Lindstrom, the famous Dane, who is the world's most, I think, famous neuromarketing expert. He wrote biology, and he wrote a book called The Ministry of Common Sense, which I loved. <laughs> so about 200 episodes, and I'm launching a new podcast in January called C-Suite Conversations with Scott Miller, where I'm interviewing people from the C-Suite. Indra Nui from PepsiCo, Bob Iger from Disney, aimed at C-Suite. People are C-Suite Aspirants. They'll kind of do a dual track. We'll host two podcasts a week. My wife thinks she's, I'm insane and she's accurate.
1: <laughs> so of those, you have 200-ish, 200-something. Yeah. yeah. What made you pick the 30 for the the first book?
0: Truly, it was because they they had an insight that I thought, Nick, was transformative, that I could relate to it, that I had struggled with that very thing. Or, oh, you know what? I'd seen some success in somebody else's life proving that. So I picked 30 from a variety of different backgrounds, ethnicities, genders, races, cultures, for-profit, not-for-profit. I received all their permission. That was a big deal, right? Getting their permission to appear in the book and using their likeness Mm -hmm. and having them sign off in the chapter. But I picked them because I thought that the book could be an episodic collection of ideas that could hit every reader differently. I'm very mindful of the advice. Don't try to boil the ocean. Seth Godin taught me smallest viable market, right? From a marketing term. But I thought, you know what? If someone's going through a divorce or they're going to get married, or they've lost their job, or they've just launched a business, or they've been promoted into leadership, or they've lost someone to COVID, that there would be a chapter in here that would speak to them exactly where they are. There's chapters on messaging, presenting, brain health. There's chapters on servant leadership, vulnerability, your brand, introversion. I picked people that spoke to me in the hopes that the reader would find multiple chapters that would be maybe common sense, but not common practice that I could write a maybe funny, witty, vulnerable story about that concept that might make that in, that insight transformative in their life.
1: So interesting. I always, I'm always curious on other people who host podcasts on how they go about picking guests and what makes them choose them. And a lot of it for me is what makes them completely interesting in, for me in the customer service, customer, serv- uh, customer service and customer experience space? And how do you not necessarily choose the people that are uh, directors or VPs or chief customer officers, but somebody who's maybe outside of that a little bit? And I've had the opportunity to, to have a bunch of amazing guests and like you mentioned on the show. And you know I've learned a lot and had so many awesome nuggets that I've been able to pull either before, during, or after that conversation. And you know, at the very beginning of the book, for you, of, of Master Mentors, 30 Transformational, Transformative Insights from Our Greatest Minds, it says, Master Mentors guarantees that you will experience a transformative shift in your personal mindset, life skill set, and career tool set. With that in mind, how has this book transformed your personal mindset, life skill set, and career tool set?
0: How is it not? I mean, how do you not meet 30 of the world's most influential people? And then listen to their journey and then write a whole chapter about a single insight. So for me, it's reinforced in me that we all have deeply inculcated mindsets, belief systems, paradigms, including me about politics and about, you know, how you vote and the mask or no mask and the pandemic. I heard a phrase once that said, everything in life is black or white until it affects someone you love. And that's so true, and I think so profound. So, for me, this has changed my mind about introverts. I am an extrovert. It's changed my mind about what I eat because of the connection between our diet and our brain health. It's changed my mind about my brand, my messaging, about how much I'm doing, quality over quantity, around being reckless or being fearless. So every chapter has likely shifted my mindset. It's definitely made me more self-aware, Nick, around, do I have the skill set to leverage this concept as a leader, as a parent, as a spouse, as a neighbor, as a friend, as an entrepreneur, as a podcast host? And it's also given me a language, right? A vocabulary. It's given me alternatives to consider in my skill set and my tool set. So it has done that abundantly in my life. You know, I'm a curious person. I think I have an insatiable curiosity. I got some chops on certain topics, but I don't know nearly as much as I should as I'm raising three boys with my wife and trying to launch a business and ask smart questions in front of genius people and reinvent myself. And so it's done all those things to me. And I, like I said, you know, the readers may not find every chapter transformative. Some might be, duh. But you know, Dr. Covey, who's the co-founder of our company at Franklin Covey, he said, to know but not to do is not to know. And that haunts me every day. Like what are the things that I know that I've yet to employ that in my life and practice it? Lots of things. And so the book, I'm kind of living also vicariously through the book. When I reread it or re-edit it or help to transcribe it for a foreign language, I think, yeah, I'm not doing that. Or wait, I should do more of that or. I'm a fraud on this one. I got to double down on that. So it's a good reminder for me. After ten volumes and 300 mentors, I'll probably go hide in Fiji somewhere because I'll have so much guilt that I'm not living 300 transformational insights. I'll have to go in the witness protection program.
1: Or with you, you have your yourself, and then your alias is just in the that's what i need non-diploma is that
0: what they call it yeah exactly
1: (laughs) so then there's only 150 that you can split amongst each other so it's not it's not as difficult as i as you think it is Uh, my name's
0: not really scott jeffrey miller it's something else i'm sure
1: (laughs) (laughs) so one of the things you just mentioned was staying curious has that always been the case for you
0: i think so i think so you know um years ago i read a book by brian grazier the former not the former, the famous Hollywood producer from Imagine Entertainment, he wrote a book called A Curious Mind. Can I share a short story here? Please. He's not one of the mentors in the book. I've been chasing him for three years for the podcast. He emailed me back finally after saying no for years about a week ago, so he's coming on. And um, he shares a very profound story in his book, A Curious Mind, where once he was interviewing the famous now-deceased scientist, Isaac Asimov, one of the greatest minds of our generation. And he wanted to interview Isaac Asimov in preparation for a movie he was considering producing on something science fiction, some, I don't know, space movie. I'm not into science fiction. And so he went to lunch with Isaac Asimov. This is Brian Grazier, the famous Hollywood producer with Isaac Asimov's then wife. I think he had several wives. And so he sits down, I think at the Ritz Carlton, New York city to have like tea and lunch. And about 10 minutes into the interview, Isaac Asimov's wife stands up and says to the famous movie producer Brian Grazier, this interview is over. Clearly, by the shallowness of your questions, you've not done research commensurate with my husband's work. We're out. And she picks her husband up and they walk out of the lunch with Brian Grazier. And Brian shares a story about how offended he was, and then he realized. She was right. He hadn't done the proper research on the man's books and his stuff. And as much as she probably could have handled that a little bit more, you know, diplomatically and gently, he was right and he's now overprepared for every interview, everything he does. And and for me that book A Curious Mind really kind of shocked me in. If it's good enough for Brian Grazer, it's good enough for me. So I don't assume to know much about much. I do think it's true less than like zero 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 point one percent of all humans have ever, ever had an original thought in their life. And so for me, I'm all about aggregating, pollinating, twisting on an original idea, giving credit to the owner, but you know, innovating and twisting. And that's sort of how I've built a brand. But I think my curiosity is one of my strong suits.
1: Yeah, I think that's so interesting with the wife who was abruptly saying, you're wasting my husband's time and mine because I'm along with yeah. on, on this journey. We're going to do something else. <laughs> you know, one thing that you said in this side, the questions it, with inside the book is at the very end of each chapter is, is the question It's the transformational insight. It's the question. And then this bonus question, but I think it's impo- so important to ask questions uh, because I believe the world needs to ask bigger questions and they need to be more prepared for the conversations that they're having similar to that conversation with at, at, at dinner with the wife. So which one so far out of these 30 or 60 that you've done to date, has been your favorite question.
0: I've never been asked that question. And I've done a couple hundred podcasts on this book. I've never been asked that question. Uh, What comes to mind immediately is the first chapter, which is based on a man named Nick Vujicic. He's Australian by birth, American by choice. He has no arms and no legs. He has no limbs. Like you and I, he has a head, a neck, a torso, and a waist, and a tiny foot-like appendage with a Odd toe or two that he can text with. Nick is a remarkable person, world renowned speaker, motivational expert. The chapter is all about gratitude. And I didn't really appreciate the concept of gratitude until I met Nick and interviewed him. And he came to my house for dinner one night. And the big insight from Nick that I share in the book, Nick, is this concept of living your life not from a lens of I have to or I ought to but rather I get to. I get to change my flat tire because I have two hands. I get to fill up my gas tank halfway full because I do have $26. No, I don't have $48. I get to take the garbage out at midnight because I can walk. I get to terminate someone tomorrow because I get to send them on their way and release them and I from the pain that is being caused of this thing that's not working. I get to sit my mother-in-law down and have a high courage conversation around how she's hurting my spouses or my feelings. Because I have, you get the point, right? Is, I think the question is, what will it take you to get to a level of gratitude where you can see everything in life, not through the lens of I have to or I ought to, but I get to. I get to wake up this morning at 3 o'clock a.m. and deliver a keynote to Qatar. Then I get to stay awake until 4.30 and deliver one to Saudi Arabia and stay awake at 6 to deliver one to the Emirates. A year ago, that would have been a big dread for me. And now my mindset is I get to do that. And so I don't dread much in life anymore after meeting Nick Vujicic. And I'd ask all of your listeners what will it take to you to get to move from a, I have to or I ought to through to a, I get to mindset? It will transform your level of gratitude and your life.
1: So cool. In, inside that chapter, you were talking about how you were having pie in front of him while he was sitting on one of your famous couches and you were sitting across from him and the doorbell rang and you got to go. You were having one of your famous dinner parties, which we'll get to in a minute. And what you did was you got up. You got up and you walked to to the door and answered that door. And it's so profound because some of the things that I cherish the most are when things don't go as planned or let's say I get a really bad flu and I don't appreciate and I don't have gratitude of being sick, of not being sick for 345, 350, 60 days out of the year. But that five days and that sixth, the sixth day that I'm healthy and the 10th, 12th, 15th day that I'm healthy, my mindset is different because I'm like, you know what? I can breathe out of my two nostrils and that's amazing. I'm not coughing or swallowing because my throat's hurting and my mindset. And I just become jolly. I'm like, I'm like Santa for those next four days. But outside of that, and then all of a sudden I go back to my old mindset Because that's the way we always have done it in our old grain where we're kind of running these paths. And every time we run a path, it kind of gets deeper and deeper and deeper. But how do we continue to change that mindset? There's a guy who was on my podcast named uh, Tim Kite, and he's got an equation called E plus R equals L. And it's called the event plus the response equals the outcome. And he's like, the most important part of that is how you respond to the event that you have. And I love that because it kind of brings it back to that mindset.
0: Yeah. Beautifully said, Nick. You know, I haven't had cancer for 53 years. I still don't think I had cancer. No reason to suspect that. We probably all have some of it in our body dormant, right? But like you, I'm super I had my booster shot for my COVID vaccine 3 days ago. It took me down. Took me down. I had the same same uh, thought is I'm really sick right now, but in 9 hours I'm not going to be. And I'm really going to cherish the fact that I'm robust right now and I get to walk out to my car and unload the groceries. I used to dread unloading the Costco boxes. You know, you go to Costco and you buy all your stuff and like five trips into the house. Nick Vujicic cannot walk out to the car. He can't walk downstairs. He'll tip over and crack his head open. He has no legs, no feet, no arms. He has trans, more than anybody in my life that I've met Lots of celebrities, lots of people that I've, you know, fallen from the sky and plane crashes and been abducted and survived terrific things. Nick Vujicic has changed my life.
1: So cool. I've, I've known him, uh, of him and have read his books and listened to him on Ted talks for years now. And he's an inspiration to me and I haven't got that opportunity to meet him, but, uh, maybe someday. Well, you you know, send me an email. I'll make an introduction and he'll come to your podcast. Sounds good. That's awesome. You know, back to the questions. There's so many questions that that you have um, that you get to ask, that it's not just the the ones that you're listening to and and are hearing what other people are saying or what questions they're asking inside your book. But what questions do you keep coming back to? Because I think going back to the questions that are so important and how are you prepped, but is there questions that you kind of keep going back to as a podcast guest or as somebody that even at your dinner parties or You're having coffee with a friend. Is there a question that you always go back to?
0: You know, I think I am continuously curious about what motivates people. You know, of these couple hundred podcast guests, you know, Pulitzer Prize-winning authors, four-star generals, it's really been remarkable to be on the receiving end of this podcast as the host. These people generally aren't any smarter than you and I are. They weren't raised in Greenwich, Connecticut with a Gucci-level Rothschilds background. They weren't innately genius. Maybe some of them were. But these people worked hard. They have an insatiable work ethic. They have a drive that is sometimes unrelatable. So I like to ask people, like, what was their tipping point, right? What was the point? And there's a commonality amongst many people. You don't see the five books they wrote that no one bought. All you see is the six. You don't see the 200 episodes. All you see is the 201st that went viral, right? And you don't see the 200 TV shows they tried out for but didn't get. So it's interesting to see where people's tipping point came. But I can tell you it's rarely on the first half. It's like always years or decades. It's like, you know, the 15th year of their radio program, or it's the eight hundredth LinkedIn blog post. And so I like to ask people like where was their tipping point? What happened? And it's all very common. There typically wasn't something that was dramatic. It was just they had paid the price to do five hundred episodes or to you know do this consistently over and over again for you know they had they had a radio program for fifteen years that toiled in obscurity. And then finally they had, you know, 80,000 subscribers to their newsletter, wrote the book and it hit New York Times and it exploded. So I'm there's no such thing as overnight success. There's overnight fame. It's usually fleeting, but this is a consistent C amongst every interviewee was decades of hard work, often in obscurity. And the question I like to ask is, and then when did it hit and why? Just figure out, is there some replicatable formula? Usually not. It was just a long journey of hard work, doubling down, tripling down, quadrupling down against the odds and pursuing their passion, right? In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, How do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes.
1: So, with that in mind, what's been your tipping point?
0: It was a long answer. (laughs) Gosh, have I had it yet? Maybe being on this podcast. This is it. I'm grateful to be in your podcast, by the way. I think my tipping point was getting married. I'm 53. I was married when I was 41. I was married late in life. My wife is about 12 and a half years younger than me. And so I was single my whole life up until 41. And it was getting married to Stephanie. That was, for me, the governor that I never had. You're going to say what? You're wearing what? You're doing what? You said what? That you know that dreaded drive home from the Friday night dinner party where the door closes and she said, you promised me you wouldn't go there. You promised me you would not go there. What were you thinking? They're never inviting me. You get the point, right? And so Stephanie provided me a level of maturity that I lacked as sort of a single swashbuckling guy with you know big funds and no responsibility. And so I never would have made it to Franklin Covey's executive team or the C-suite of a public company had it not been for Stephanie, who, by the way, is not a professional. She's a full-time house manager, stay-at-home mom to three boys, does not have a career outside of this family, doesn't want a career. But my, She would be surprised to hear this, but my tipping point happened probably 13 years ago when as a single guy, very set in his ways, had to get a lot of ego enemas from a much younger wife that has helped me mature and regulate my emotions better, not perfectly, but better. My tipping point came, and you're the first person I've ever said it to out loud. Here you go. I love that. That's not what I thought I was going to say, but that's the truth. Yeah.
1: Well, I think that is all I'm asking for is the truth. And, you know, I think that's one thing that I do appreciate you is that you're not just, you're not trying to bamboozle your audience. You're not trying to give you fluff or the Facebook version of life. What we get is what we see. And that's all we need. And that is what most people should be doing.
0: I think it's, well, that's gracious of you. And to the extent I model any of that, I'll keep trying. I believe that people want authenticity in their leaders. They want to relate to their leaders. They want to know that their leaders got fired, that their leaders made mistakes, that their leaders you know, were litigated against for making a bad business decision and how they owned up to it. And so I'm trying to make that my brand. I'm a Catholic, so it's easy for me to confess but I try not to make my life an open kimono right? completely. But I believe my brand is becoming, I'll share with you my successes and my failures because most people can't replicate your successes. They don't have your education, your personality, your IQ, your level of genius, your path. What they can do, however, is they can avoid your mistakes. And for most of us, if we can just avoid the big mistakes in life, that's like half the battle. And so, yeah, I yeah. like to associate myself with and be mentored by people who will share with me their messes and their mistakes. If I want to learn how to stay married, I go to somebody who's had three divorces. If I want to learn how to launch a business, I go to somebody with three bankruptcies because I want to learn what was your problem with cash flow? What mistakes did you make? What decisions, what temptations did you fall into? That's just how I learn because I can't replicate. Your personality. Oh, my wife and I have never had an argument in 40 years. You mean 40 minutes? Because my wife right now ain't speaking to me for something I did this morning, right now, like today. She's (laughs) mad at me for something happened this morning. We've never been apart for 40 years. What? I'm on a plane every day. That's how I earn a living. But you go to somebody that's had some divorces and they can be honest about what they did wrong. Wow. Okay, got it. Check. Will not do that when that is presented to me, Right. So that's how I've lived my life. And that's how I'm living the second half of my life as I write and podcast and teach. Here's the mistakes I made or have learned from others. Caution, step around said pothole and continue on with your set of skills.
1: Yeah. Sometimes you have potholes, sometimes you hit landmines. So make sure you avoid both. Yeah. I love that. We touched on a little bit at the very beginning, but Talking, tell me more about your dinner parties. Like, there is like, you have like this fame now of dinner parties where you just bring on the craziest of people, like Nick, and you have awesome conversations and you have a, elaborate food. Uh, how did this start? Like, did your wife say, Hey, now that I've shaped you into the man that I want, Um, I want you to now bring
0: people so I can have conversations with them. Like, where did that start for you, Scott? It would be the opposite of that because my wife is a raging introvert. So no, (laughs) that was not, no. The first part, now that I've shaped you into the man that I want, (laughs) I'm out. No, Uh, you know, I've always enjoyed entertaining. I was raised in a family that did not entertain. I can count on one hand, the guests that were my parents' home. My parents have been married for 58 years. I don't think they ever had a dinner party other than like Thanksgiving. So I was not raised in a very social home. So perhaps I craved that. I like to entertain. I'm not a very good cook. But if you know, if if the china is nice enough and there's a good enough champagne and the appetizer is decent, people forget if the chicken was dry or not, right? So I like to entertain and there's an art to that. So I started having these dinner parties a couple of years ago where we just, you know, boldly reached out to people that were either, you know, governors or senators or ambassadors. And, you know, I would just call them up or see them in the grocery store. Hey, I would invite you to my house next week for dinner. Like, what are you talking about? And their bodyguard would like move in front of you, right? And I would just like chase them. And then they would come and they would love it. They loved it. And so I would usually set a table for about, you know, 15, 18 in the backyard and invite 15 or 18 friends Of all walks of life, not people that were all millionaires or, you know, but people that were from all walks of life. And sometimes we would order barbecue in. Sometimes we would have it served by a butler. Sometimes we would just, you know, have a soup and salad. It wasn't always like, you know, couture level dinner by any stretch. One night literally was barbecue and key lime pie that you know because you read the book. And we learned so much. I mean, we had John Huntsman, who was the former ambassador to Russia and China and Singapore. John Huntsman was fascinating to listen to, right? He ran for president and he was the governor of Utah. We have a bunch of people coming over in the, in the new year as well. And what was great is our three boys that are now seven, nine, and 11 get to come and listen to these dinner parties. And they get to know, be like, you know, to know what is it like? It's not about celebrity. It's about interesting people who've led interesting lives that sometimes don't have access or don't have, you know, a chance just to kind of roll up their sleeves and talk to people. I once invited a famous celebrity over. It was a him and his wife texted me and said, hey, by any chance, can you tell us who else is coming? I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you're coming to my house. You don't even know me. And you're asking for the guest list. They rolled up to my home. I'm not kidding you. They got out and they said, you know what? We've been here before. The last time we were here was like eight years ago. The previous owners had a fundraiser for the president of the United States. I had no idea that the former president (laughs) was in my home for a fundraiser like eight years beforehand. And they'd been in my home and they walked in and said, we sat here. We sat. I'm like, I never knew. So (laughs) that's not, that's not to have any pomposity with it. You know, some of these dinners are very lowbrow and they're casual. Others are, you know, very nice, but. It's something that my boys have started to take partake in and setting the table, learning how to be a great host, learning their table manners, and then just listening to all these amazing people talk about their lives. And I think I most enjoy gathering the guests around from all different walks of life, some who know each other and don't, and allowing them to have access and build a network. There's been some business deals done at these dinners that were just serendipitous, right? And I take great, delight in seeing the connections happen at the table, I just stand back and eat my key lime pie. Read Master Mentors to learn why key lime pie is an important metaphor. Yeah, it's
1: so cool. Is there, is there a goal when you invite these people over and or what's the key to get them to say yes? Specifically the first one. Like, hey, I'm going to have some people over. They're going to be complete strangers. They're going to be my friends. There's going to be an application. I don't know what this looks like, but they're going to. Have, it's going to have dessert, specifically key lime pie, maybe some barbecue, maybe a chef, maybe a butler. But come on over. I'm going to. Add, I'm going to drill you with questions, as are my friends, and we're going to have a great time. It's kind of how it worked. <laughs> That's kind of
0: how it worked. Now the good news is, you know, as my profile is fairly public, I'm not just you know some random guy that you know uh, that was sketchy. I think I would built a bit of a reputation as being a chief marketing officer of this company. I had some books and a podcast under me. And in some cases, they're podcast guests. So they know I'm not a wackadoodle, at least not completely. But I'm fairly bold. I'm very courageous. Here's what I've learned in life, Nick. Nobody can say yes if you don't ask them. No one can help you. They don't know you need help. No one can come if you don't say, hey, I'm having a party. Do you want to come? So I'm not afraid for people to say no to me. I bruise hard. I heal fast.
1: And it seems like you keep stalking. So that's great.
0: And I keep stalking. Yes, sir.
1: <laughs> so awesome. Uh, so uh, Scott, and I wrap up every podcast with two questions. And the first one is what book or person has influenced you the most in the last year, specifically around customer service or customer experience, if you can. And then the second one is if you could leave a note to all customer service or customer experience professionals, and it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 a.m.,
0: what would it say? You know, there's a gentleman named Fred Reichelt. He is a 40-year fellow at the Bain organization. And he invented the net promoter score, which means all of your podcast listeners know what that is. NPS, right? Scale of one to 10. Uh, Fred and I are friends. But maybe I'll invite Fred to a dinner party now. So he wrote the book, The Ultimate Question, obviously, and The Ultimate Question 2. He's just written a new book that's coming out. In fact, he's my guest literally next week on the podcast episode. and. I interviewed him. I'm looking for the book behind me. I can't find it right now. But he has a new book coming out literally next week by Fred Reichheld. And he shared a story where he said, you know, he was interviewing executives at three companies. Enterprise Rent-A-Car. What's the insurance company for military families? USAA. USAA. And the founder of Chick-fil-A, Truett Cathy, who passed. And he said, you know, he was apprehensive to go meet with Truett Cathy, you know, who they have world-class customer service. Say what you will about their to-date policies and their political campaigns, but I don't think anybody can dispute that they treat their employees extraordinarily well and their customers well. They become a bit of a lightning rod. And Fred Reicheld was kind of dubious about wanting to go meet with Truett Cathy because of his very public statements and political contributions around the LGBTQ plus community. See, Fred Reichelt has two adult gay children. Back to what I said, everything in life is black or white until it impacts someone you love. And he went and he met Truett and found him to be a lovely man. And one of Fred's real big insights was, you know, you can respect someone that you disagree with. You can find commonality with people that are your perhaps opponent and not make them your enemy. There was a lot to learn from Truett Cathy that did not need to be thrown out with the bathwater, so to speak. And I really thought that was a beautiful way that Fred Reichel, the father of two adult gay children, of many children, that he would meet with, you know, perhaps one of the most successful entrepreneurs of our generation who's had a wildly controversial stance on same sex marriage and has, you know, Lots of haters and people that have picketed their businesses, right? And all sorts of things like that. I think that company has modified their stance pretty substantially. Let someone else decide that. I like their food and I've, I understand their stance. I understand their right to have a stance as a private company. My opinion not their opinion, but I can separate that. But I thought there was a lot to learn from Fred Reicheld that you're going to have vendors and suppliers and employees and shareholders and stockholders. That are going to disagree with you, that aren't going to have all the same values all the time. And, you know, look for the good, assume good intent, try to find common ground. And I like the way in next week's podcast episode, where I feature Fred Reicheld, where he shares the story about meeting Truett Kathy. It really, I thought, was aspirational, especially in a culture where I think the last administration really brought legitimacy to kind of hating your opponent and demonizing your competition. And unfortunately, that took root in America. And I I hope we're we're back on track. And that's not as much about the party as more about just the vitriol that we're all living in. I don't mean for that to get political, please. I just think that's fact. I mean, there's, there's just this demonization of people. To answer your question, Fred Reicheld is one of the greatest minds around not just cre- treating your customers well, but treating your employees well. He believes that the key to loyalty of your employees is building loyalty with your, with, with your customers, is loyalty with your employees. He believes you start first with your people. Yeah. He's obsessed with that.
1: My, my analogy is, as a married guy, is if mommy ain't happy and nobody happy. And I believe the same is true with your employees. If you treat your employees, if your employees ain't happy, your customers won't be happy either. And so uh, I love the, love the questions that he does or that he has and the books that he has. And uh, the author of or the creator, founder of the MPS is, is uh, quite impressive. Ah,
0: you found it. The book is called Winning on Purpose, The Unbeatable Strategy of Loving Customers. He created the Net Promoter Score, of course. It's a phenomenal book. He's had a really rough bout with cancer, Fred Reicheld. But this book, Winning on Purpose, I think will be transformative to all of your listeners. comes out, I believe, next week, first week of December or so, something like that. And you can listen to my podcast. If you ever wanted to interview him, Nick, I'd be happy to give you an introduction. I'm sure he'd be delighted to come on your podcast.
1: Sounds great. I'll take you up on that. And then the last thing is if you could leave a note to all customer service or customer experience professionals, it's gonna hit everybody's ask Monday at 8 a.m. What
0: would it say? Assume good intent. I mean, you said this well, right? You know, between stimulus and your response is your freedom to choose. Yeah. Victor Frankl, of course, wrote about this in man's search for meaning. And so everybody's got something going on. People behave the way they do for certain reasons. They're not always evident. They're rarely evident. So with most people, their intent rarely matches their technique. So judge them on their intent and less on their technique. Less on the words they use, less on their tone, less on their body language, less on their energy. Be a little more patient, be a little more kind. Try to find some common ground.
1: Well said. Uh, Scott, so let's say my listeners are saying, man, this guy's hilarious. He seems smart. He is the greatest pollinator there is. How do I get a hold of him? How do I find him? How do I creep on him? Uh, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you?
0: You know, thanks for asking. You can follow me or friend me or connect to me or stalk me or unfriend me on every platform Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, in, uh, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. I'm there. You can also visit me at scottjeffreymiller.com. That's my website all the books that I've written of which there are six now out dozens more coming. Should the Lord allow me to live? Uh, Master mentors is just released in September out. You can buy it anywhere, including Amazon and master mentors. Volume two hits the streets in 2022 followed by at least eight more chapters, hopefully eight more volumes, hopefully. So Nick, thanks for the spotlight. I appreciate the conversation.
1: Yeah, you bet, man. It's been my pleasure. And, uh, for the listeners, go ahead and, li- and, and subscribe to his podcast and find The Master Mentors, 30 Transformative Insights from the Greatest Minds by Scott Jeffrey Miller. Great read, easy read, and informative. Scott, thank you so much for your time today, and I'm looking forward to those next books. Thank you, Nick. Appreciate it. Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing it with them by giving them a link of this episode or directly from your app. And last, if you'd like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, go to pressonefornick.com forward slash podcasts.
0: Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.